Welcome to Dnote, the podcast expansion for the Dino universe. I'm your host, Olivia Sirio, and today we're going to be discussing some TTRPG basics. I'm joined in this episode by Jeremy Tui, a longtime friend and someone who I have played with for a number of years, both as party member and DM. He's also written adventures for a couple different systems, including Dungeons and Dragons, Magical Kitties, and Over the Edge. In this episode, we're talking about everything from our first forays into the world of tabletop role-playing, to our experiences with different systems, and the adventures we've had along the way. Ultimately, it's about what makes TTRPGs so special, why we enjoy playing them, and why you might too, if you don't already. (laughs) So we're so happy to have you along, and thanks for joining us. Hi, Jeremy. Welcome to Dino. Hello. I'm so glad to have you on the show, Um, especially as, like, one of the people who kind of first introduced me to TTRPGs in the first... I mean, I had some familiarity, but uh, it wasn't until... wasn't until, like, your housewarming party years ago. Did we play D&D at my housewarming party? No, we didn't. But, like, we started talking, and then that led to game nights. And then because of game mm. nights, I joined the D&D group. And the rest is history. A beautiful history. A wonderful history. Um, but, yeah, so... Welcome. So tell tell us a little bit uh, about your D&D experience. So I know a lot about it. So you have written for how many systems is it now? Just three. Just three. Um, <laughs> I, I, well, I've also, you know, only written just, published just three adventures. Um, but I've written for D&D, self-published in the, in the DMs Guild. And then for Atlas Games, I wrote an adventure for their Over the Edge setting, and then I wrote an adventure for their Magical Kitties Save the Day uh, Yeah, which game. I saw in the wild at MCM Comic Con in London, which was so cool. <sighs> I want to see one in the wild. Someone at Gen Con was able to show me they were at the Atlas Games booth and they got to see Magical Kitties. I wasn't even at Atlas Games booth or whatever. I was. Just, it was just at a like board game shop store. That's awesome. I have yet to see one of mine in the wild. But yeah, so, uh, and you, how long have you been playing TTRPGs? Which are just, because this is an introduction to TTRPGs episode, tabletop mm-hmm. role play games. How long have mm-hmm. you been playing them? Well, that's an interesting question, because if you ask me how long I've been playing D&D, I would say 18 years. But if you're asking how long I've played TTRPGs, I'm pretty sure I've been playing those before I knew that's what I was doing since sixth grade. So like, what was your first one then? In elementary school, a friend of ours introduced us to a game and I think he called it Scrubs. And I've looked it up before and I don't think that's the actual name (laughs) of an actual system. He may have been talking about GURPS, which was like pretty I would, I would, you know, if I think about it, pretty big in the very early 2000s. Um, and, but it was a D6-based system, and it was, like, completely, you know, whatever it actually was didn't make it through the filter of a 12-year-old child um, teaching it to his other friends at the playground. But, like, we would get, uh, you know, pieces of paper, and we would write down the stuff that our characters are good at, and we would just make up you know, numbers that seem to fit. Um, and we'd roll them with the dice. And if we got the high enough number, then like we did it. 
I'm pretty sure there wasn't a DM either. It was just kind of like a, a, a more structured way to like do like make believe play. Um, and that was technically my first tabletop role playing game as, as chaotic and unformal as it was. Well, that's sometimes um, the, that's sometimes the, the best kind. That's like the, the introduction, like fun. I mean, that's kind of what it's supposed to be at its core in a lot of ways is structured make believe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, that definitely made it so that when I encountered Dungeons and Dragons, I had a pretty good idea of like what it was. Like I never like sat, like had a moment where I'm like, what is this weird thing? I was like, oh, this is this kind of thing. How cool. And look at all these books with all of the silly monster drawings and things like that. Um, and uh, sorry, I shouldn't say silly monster drawings. I mean, some of them are pretty silly looking. <laughs> some of them are. In that particular edition, though, my my great uncle did some illustrations in the monster manual. So I, they were those aren't. Oh silly. yeah, those ones are those specifically ones are like <laughs> specifically those specifically the unicorn and I don't remember any of the other ones. He I did, mean, the unicorn's but. pretty cool. Um, so what was your first what was your first D and D edition then? Was it three point five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they had already switched from you know, third edition to 3.5. And like I being a 14 year old kid, I didn't know any, uh, any of the hubbub or hullabaloo that came with that change. Um, for me, it was just, Oh, D and D. And yeah, it was the edition that me and my friends first fell in love with. And I think this is a very common story. When you find D and D in high school or college, like you're able to spend those long, long marathon sessions at each other's houses and just play and play and play and play. Um, and that's what we did. Um, over and over for years. <laughs> uh, was so it was your friends who introduced you to D and D. Yeah, um, it was. There was an older student um, in high school who was our DM for the first time. My very first character was a druid, and I remember, I remember in that very first session, uh, the dice were very mean to one of our friends, and this poor guy he missed on all of his attacks in a combat. And then he got hit by a stray arrow from a drow and was immediately knocked out. And his character was unconscious for the rest oh, of the no. session. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't remember how long we were playing those adventures. Because, like, this was kind of the way it is in high school, too. Where, like, everybody's excited to start something new, play with a different bunch of characters and stuff like that. They all, you know, we've all got ideas about what we'd want to run and the kinds of different adventures we want to play. And so we would kind of, like do a bunch of different starts to campaigns and in, in fits and starts throughout high school. Um, I don't think there was ever a campaign that we played for more than like a month and a half or two months before we moved on to the next person's like, Oh, I want to do this. And then we all made in 3.52 half the fun was making your characters. Um, so any excuse to be to try out a new build that we had read about online or had put together in our brains. Um, we took it. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I have a lot of fun. I mean, completely different, but also not entirely different. That's my favorite part of, like, The Sims, for example, is I make a bunch of characters, mm. build their houses. I play with them in The Sims world for maybe, like, 15, 20 minutes, and I'm like, no, I want to build a new one now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you started D&D around 14. What was... 
what was the thing that like I mean apart from just like the make-believe side of things like what was what was the thing where you're like this is something that I love doing that I want to keep doing and doing with my friends and things like that that's a great question it just fit me so well I think because I was just a big nerd and I liked fantasy stuff I liked fantasy video games um like uh runescape and world of warcraft and stuff like that and D&D just fit into that whole milieu in the special way it does with all the freedom it has and the creativity and the storytelling. And I think a big part of it was that I very quickly became a DM and I was mostly DMing um, and just being able to try on different ways of telling stories. And yeah, because it, it, it was especially early on, it was more of a storytelling vector for me as a DM. I don't think I, that's how I would describe how I DM nowadays, um, but that was a, a big part of the appeal for me early on. How would you describe your DM style now? Like, how would you, like, that evolution then? I I don't think of myself as a storyteller. I feel like that, like, I don't want that much agency in my games. Um, I feel like it's, and maybe this is just a semantic difference, um, but, like, I think of myself as, like, uh introducing and maintaining a scenario and letting the story be like brought about by the actions of the characters and the choices of the players and and most of all the whims of the dice and i think the biggest part of that is having a detachment from like where i want like detaching myself from wanting the story to go in any particular direction right like as a storyteller you've got a story to tell you're going to be biased towards like uh, wanting certain things to happen in the game things that aren't and shouldn't be in your control and like in high school i think i played a lot more and i like i think this is very common i just played a lot more like you know you guys are going to play this little story and then you're going to play that little story and then yeah and then this is going to happen stuff like that i mean as someone who has experienced some of some of the stories I think some of my favorite moments too were the kind of the introductions of those scenarios, the um, and the little the ways that you involve players in telling those stories. Um, I mean, speaking from personal experience, uh, when we were doing our uh, campaign, the was it the what was the name of our group? I mean, we were the Bee Gees for a bit because we found that bunch of bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh! It was um, Boone. The name of the adventuring party. You, uh, you eventually became the yeah, precursors, the precursors, because we were the precursors to something. We just weren't entirely yeah, you, sure you didn't know what, what it was. <laughs> something yeah. always happened when we showed Maybe. up. Was it? Did you call yourselves that in the game, or was that just what we called you outside the game? I can't remember. No, I think it happened. Someone in the game like was like oh no you've arrived it was somewhere where we'd already been before and they called us the precursor to something and we were we'd been searching for a group name for a while because we'd been calling (laughs) ourselves the bgs and we were like that's it we're the precursors because we were because so interested in the history and everything that came before and also Mm -hmm. pushing forward this new kind of ideas of things but the pirate campaign, which both fit into and kind of totally turned into, <laughs> yeah, its, totally own turned into its own thing with the the wizard school, the secret wizard school and the 
Yeah, the secret wizard school, that went nothing like I was, like, set up the scenario to, to do. Um, but it was great. It was great. And then it <laughs> created this whole backstory and lore to our big, bad, evil guy villain. Yeah. Uh, For any curious listeners, the very quick summary of what happened is they were on an island looking for a pirate treasure and there was a secret wizard school there and the secret wizard school was basically scooby doing the island to keep people away making it real scary um so that they could continue to be a secret wizard school and you all basically infiltrated the school and like convinced one of the faculty members or one of the students it was I think both. One of the faculty there was a members. student and a faculty member because we needed to use their telescope or something in order to solve one of the clues. But you basically like brought one uh, very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reluctantly isn't strong enough um, <laughs> under your thumb to like betray the entire college over and over <laughs> and over. You'd come back and be like, "Hey, we need you to do something else unspeakable <laughs> for us," <laughs> and you would just kept convincing him. <laughs> Through really good dice rolls. Yeah. Like, he could, he, he, he very clearly had no interest in doing it. We had him turn into a dragon at some point. Oh, yeah. The final fight. You turned, you, unbelievable. <laughs> there was a whole bunch of necromancy going on, too. And our whole party was split about, like, is this okay? <laughs> um, and then, but then there was this really beautiful, heartfelt moment where, like, I had this kind of idea of my backstory, but like through the adventure, you were asking me these questions and then integrating them into kind of the riddles and the story. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just like this. I think, like, the best moment in like any campaign is when people are kind of like so emotionally moved that they're either shouting or crying. I think, mm-hmm. and there was pl- there was plenty of that at our table. I think a lot of unexpected ways that our backstories developed and were told through collaborative storytelling. Um, and I think that's one of the best parts yeah. is you maybe have some ideas, but other people can help you flesh them out. Uh, I also know that you have some experience with systems other than D&D, partially because we played Monster of the Week together, um, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse yeah. setting. And then uh, you've had, I know you've played some Fate um and Mm -hmm. yeah i've played a lot of fate um i've played i've tried on a whole lot of things um i think fate and over the edge and magical kitties obviously are the ones that the latter two because i had to write for them um those are the ones i have the most experience with we played fate before the newest like fate core back when it was I, i hardly even know what the formal publishing for it was like because that was like right back like in the middle of college and we found like the like a version of the then fate srd on a website and like we used that um and it was pretty similar but but quite dissimilar to fate core in some some ways it must have been whatever like system was like because i think fate was like underpinning several different like IP systems, like the Dresden Files RPG and things like that. But there wasn't like a just like fate standalone system. Like I think that's what the website I was on was trying to do. It was like reverse engineer, like a a generic fate system. So for our unfamiliar Um, listeners, what is SRD? 
Oh, the system resource document. So all of the the rules that you're allowed to like just publish willy nilly um, that let you play the game. Yeah. So like the basic rules for D and D or. Mm-hmm. Although I guess technically you may not be you may not be allowed to publish the SRD willy nilly <laughs> by default, but for Fate and and for D well and you Pathfinder can. I think too now. Um, yeah, that that would track. Uh, do you have any experience with Pathfinder? I have experience with the old Pathfinder um, because it, a lot of my friends, when I moved on to 4th edition, lots of my friends stayed with 3.5 and some of them went to Pathfinder. I was like the only one in my group um, that wanted to play 4th edition and was excited about it. Probably because I was like the only like big DM in the group and one of the nicest things about 4th was how much easier it was to prep and run uh, stuff. Uh, at least for me at that point. So kind of what do you think, and I mean, I have some of my own opinions on this too, but like what do you think is essential for a TTRPG? Uh, A standard rule set, a mechanic that can help you kind of decide things, oftentimes dice, sometimes things like cards too. I've seen Mm -hmm. coin flips, uh, some sort of, I mean character generation is there anything that i'm missing in terms of like essentials and then like things differ it's it's kind of tough to boil it down to essentials because you can find some role-playing games some small role-playing games that are that are real bare bones um and uh, i think i would still categorize them as tabletop role-playing games they might not be the kinds of things that can last more than like an evening of an experience um but sometimes that's what you're looking for, right? There's like, um, uh, there's a game called The King is Dead, um, which is not like the much, there's a board game called The King is Dead that's, uh, this is not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but it's like a small role-playing game where it's all about exchanging playing cards and whoever has a certain hand or the best hand or something like that at the end, like quote-unquote wins, and they sort of like get to decide the end of the narrative, but the drawing and exchanging and, and the like spying on other people of certain cards and stuff like that is all can only be done. What, when you take certain actions in the game. Uh, so like you want to uh, take a moment alone with another player and then you and the player have to describe like what that moment alone was and what it meant, and what you discussed. Yeah. I think you were I in think that we group. Played this at a game um, night before. I and that let the two of you exchange cards and stuff like that. Yeah, we played it with Brendan. Brendan and I um, became lovers. Yeah, I remember that. That was fun. And the, there was a whole... I think no one expected how it ended up actually ending. It was very... Mm-hmm. It felt very similar to... it, More free form, but very similar to the Love Letters game. Mm-hmm. Where that's like a little bit more structured version. Where you can... Yeah. I think the other thing that I I think is pretty core to a lot of TTRPGs I've seen and played and things like that is this, the level of role playing is variable based on the group of people you're with. So like Mm -hmm. even D&D to a certain extent, you don't, I mean, I personally don't find it as fun, but like you don't have to do a ton of role playing to play the game. You can have a more combat heavy, uh, Mm -hmm. like, style thing or you can 
Well, I would argue that there's a lot of role playing that happens that doesn't look like what people think of when they think of role playing. Yeah. Like a lot of people think like, oh, this is a role playing game. And they think of role playing as the stuff that they do on Critical Role. Um, yeah. Like, like they, the, like improvised voice acting. Um, and I think that role playing is a lot more about, um, how you make choices on behalf of your character. And sometimes you're making them more capriciously than otherwise. But like, even in combat, like there's a lot of uh, role playing that can happen. Um, there's a lot of role play in your character creation. I mean, that's a big part of the draw of D and D. Um, that's why I think classes are, are such a fundamental part of D and D is because they, put you in that role immediately. And so now you have an idea of like, okay, I'm the kind of person that sneaks up and goes stabby stab because I'm the rogue. Um, and so every time you do that, you're playing your, your little roguey role um, and being a, a, a right <laughs> bastard. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my rogues weren't always like that. <laughs> no, very true. You don't have to be a bastard to be sneaky. No, but they were definitely sneaky. They were very sneaky characters. They liked being both quiet and loud in their own ways. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so what what are some reasons that you like other systems? So like, what are the reasons that you enjoy Fate or Monster of the Week or Over the Edge mm. or... I think that a game structure and its, and its systems and its rules... Uh, allow it like to let you play all different kinds of scenarios and play scenarios differently. Um, and that's true. Like the same way different styles of video games let you do things differently. You can go into world of Warcraft and you can make characters and you can say these characters are family and you can go find a house and go play house inside world of Warcraft but you can also play The Sims. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Which is built uh, for doing that. So, right, exactly. So uh, I think different role-playing systems do different things uh, with different degrees of, of fidelity and, 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 and fun. Um, fate we played because we, we wanted... Um, now, the interesting thing about Fate is that Fate was, is kind of trying to be a little bit more generalist uh, but also the thing that c- everything in fate shares in common is how almost cinematic it is. The, the rules it plays by in the drama is a lot more about the, the currency of drama, like literal fate points is the mechanic in the game. Um, and you earn them by getting into trouble and then you can use them for advantages later on to get out of the trouble, that trouble or some other trouble. Um, that very basic push and pull means that you have games that are high stakes, high drama, like big bombastic, you know, uh, TV shows and, and action movies and things like that, which can like happen in D and D, but like, um, not in the, the structure is not set up to like create that over and over and over again on its own. Like Dean, uh, like fate is. Yeah. And I know, I remember over the edge, also was very character dri- it was a lot more freeform yeah over the edge too um also a lot more over the yeah a lot more freeform um i think explicitly in the rules they say 
each person should only expect to like roll two or three times in an evening. So it is a lot more about the players and the DM being stuck in this weird, weird world, sort of figuring out together how that weird world would react to what the characters are doing. And only when it gets to like the most important, like of moments when like a lot is on the line, uh, do we, do you, turn to the dice and and roll um and that what that does is that turns every roll of the dice into like this hold your breath moment which is lots yeah of fun. and it was also fun because it meant the dice were there for things that you couldn't figure out together for the most part mm-hmm. it was like okay we've set we've made all of these choices and now based on all of these choices how are people going to react well we have no idea so that's what the dice are for yeah and I think that's that's a good core for like all role playing games. Like we we turn to the dice, or we turn to the resolution mechanic when we want to remove the control from ourselves about what happens. And different systems are going to make different decisions about when we have control and when the game has control of that. Yeah. And there's something I think that I really like about games where you do have to. I don't like making decisions. So I think I personally <laughs> like having games where the dice have to make a lot of decisions for me. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What What is one system that you've played that you're like, I can respect that this is a system for some people, but oh boy, is it not my system? Do you have any systems like well, that's that? That's a good question. Anything I, hmm. I mean, there've been plenty that just like fell kind of flat or I was disappointed about. I was really excited to try 13th Age and that one that one might have just been an onboarding problem the the manual for that was was very confusing and, and we all really struggled to like and there was no one who had played it before to like teach us so like our group would like really struggled to like figure it out ha- yeah how to crack that nut and like I'm, I'm not sure if we were ever actually playing 13th Age uh, but whatever we did play we bounced off of it um I don't think I've ever tried a system out and been like, man, that was terrible. Some some were, were trickier than others. I think lots of older games from like the late 90s and stuff when they were really experimenting with all the different things that role-playing games could be that aren't D&D, the, they were very specifically rejecting what D&D was at the time. And, and those simulationist kind of games like D&D and RuneQuest and uh, even GURPS to an extent, they were trying out all these different things. But it was all brand new and there's still a lot to learn. And I think it clashes against some of like my like design and, and, and game mastering sensibilities. Now the example that I, I think of right now is um, there's a game called dread and the resolution mechanic in dread is you pull dice from a Jenga tower whenever you take an action. And eventually that tower is going to come down when someone does something risky. And so like, I mean, it, and it's, it's, I recommend everyone should play it. Um, but like designing a scenario for dread is uh, like wildly different than designing a scenario for like sort of typical RPG stuff. But they had written the beginner scenario just like a typical RPG thing. And I was like, it doesn't quite work like this. And it was really hard to like, and I was already in the middle of running it when I realized it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really hard to figure out, but I would love to go back and do it again with maybe, um, maybe an adventure design more recently or something. Um, or hindsight. Yeah, or just with hindsight and, and prep it better just myself. Thank you for just freeform talking with me about TTRPGs. Do you have a couple other things before we wrap up the podcast? One of those things is dice related and it's 
with all of your years of experience, can you tell the difference between two different dice rolls? Okay, let's do so it. So I think I'm going to do a, a D12 and a D10. So... Oh, you're telling me which ones yeah. they are, and I just have to tell the difference yeah. between the two. Okay, well, I, I'm quite relieved because that sounds a lot easier, but now I'm then concerned because maybe it's so hard that you had to tell me <laughs> just to give me a chance. Okay, so here is dice number one. I have it, I have mixed up which ones they are, so maybe it's the first one, maybe it's the second one. This is very Princess Bride-esque scenario, putting the poison in the cup. Okay, I'm going to listen I turned you up. Okay, Here we go. so this is dice number one. Uh huh. Dice number one again. Dice number two. Okay. So dice number one. Dice number two. Dice number one is the d10. Yeah! Yeah! You're the first person to get it right. Dice number one was the d10, and dice number two is the d12. All right. That's amazing. Should I tell my strategy? I don't no, want to spoil ahead it for other people. No, go ahead and tell your strategy. Uh, well, I know that a, a D12 is more round than a D10, and I listened for which rolled longer. Oh, oh interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. The last person I had... I may have just been right by coincidence, but that was my strategy. The last person had a much easier time. He unfortunately got it wrong. He's less familiar with D&D, though. I couldn't give you something so easy. It was a D20 versus a D4. That would have been easy, yeah. easy. I couldn't. I couldn't. You've been playing too long. I had to give you something a little harder. Okay. <laughs> the last thing that we have going is a round of yes or nope questions. So All right. I have a handful of questions, and you just have to answer yes or nope. I love that. Can dice be cursed? Nope. Can dice be uncursed? I guess nope was the lot. Like, if they can't be cursed, they can't then be uncursed. Snacking at the table. Um, that's can not you, a question. Should, can you, like, <laughs> snacking at the table? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Session zero. Yes. Although you can, you can go without, depending on this, the, the group. Can you have too many dice? Nope. Would you ever be an adventurer? Nope. Like you dropped in an adventuring world. Not unless I dropped in at a high level of wizard. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, have you ever played a TTRPG? Nope. <laughs> it's all been a lie. Uh, would you let other people use your dice? Yep. The next couple questions... Uh, I need you to pick one of the characters you've played, which I know has been many. So okay, I need to pick. I need to pick one before I hear the question. Yes, it's a set of three questions. Just like decide on one of your characters. Okay. I will pick the Marxist wildfire druid I'm playing in my Wild West campaign right now. <laughs> Perfect. Would you party with your character? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> Would you trust your character? To guard your drink. Hmm. Yeah. Would you trust your character to guard your treasure? Also, yes. Yeah. Those are those are my three character questions. And the last question is, would you ever consider using digital dice, digital characters, or digital tile sets? Yeah, absolutely. Well, 
I think this week's nope is thinking that any one system, if you've had one experience, you've had them all. Oh, yeah. Hard nope to that. Writing off TTRPGs just because of one system or one experience. Or not not exploring anything other than D&D because you think D&D can do it just as well. Or like... Yeah, it's... This week's nope is limiting your own experiences. Get out there and explore. Just like the characters. Nice. <laughs> well, thank you again so much for joining me today, Jeremy. I've had a lot, lot of fun talk. It's always fun talking yes. TTRPGs with you and games and stuff and everything generally. But it's very fun to do it in a very dedicated space. Yes, it's been a lovely time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Dnope, the podcast expansion for the Dino universe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we're doing, go follow our social media at at Dino Dice. That's D-N-O-D-I-C-E on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. For the latest updates and to join in on the community we're building, you can also join our Discord by going to discord.gg slash Dino Dice or following the link in our episode description. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you around soon.